much for taking time with us today. We know you're busy. We got a lot of questions. And so we're so excited to talk to you. We had on Matt Wolf um, and he is fantastic. We love that family. And then of course the umpire Vincent was fantastic. So I don't know if you saw it, but we did a dance off with Vincent. Yeah. So. Vincent showed us some dance moves. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty legendary. Yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> it was pretty fun. I've been told I'm not old enough to be a dancing like a, a granny yet. So I'm not there yet, but someday my, that's my dream. Yeah, I think you've got a few decades till then, but you know, we'll we'll be ready for you when you when you reach that moment. Thank you. Thank you. Like you're in the minor leagues and then you hit the major leagues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good to know. All right, let's get straight to it. Um, thank you so much for coming, Hardy Party Five and a Half. First of all, tell me about your name. Like, it's such an unusual name, Biko, right? Well, thank you so much for having me. It's it's truly an honor, and I'm always happy to chat bananas. And uh, very good question. Not many people ask me about the name. Uh, Biko is a South African name. I'm not South African at all, um, but Stephen Biko was uh, um, an early freedom fighter who fought against the apartheid and was killed by uh, police um, really early on in the apartheid. So my mom really admired him. Um, there's a great movie about him. Uh, there's a bunch of songs, most famously Peter Gabriel uh, has a song called Biko. Um, so my real name is Nicholas. Not many people actually know that. Yeah, uh, so Biko, yeah, it's, it's, it's technically a nickname. Um, but it started when I was like a, I was a toddler. My mom and my dad were in, in love with Nicholas. It, it did not really spark joy too much for them. So uh, my mom says that she asked me what I wanted to be called. And she says, I don't know how much I believe it, that I said Biko. Okay. Um, I, I think I probably said something that maybe resembled it in some way. And she said, oh, you said Biko. Uh, but I loved it and, and it, it caught on. Because yes. she wanted, she wanted Beaker from the beginning. So that, she's like. gonna hear what she wanted. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's kind of what I think. But also, she could have just named me that. So you know, I don't know. I think she, I think she had a, a change of heart a couple of years in. <laughs> that's funny. I think it's great. I yeah, love that's it. awesome. I absolutely love it's it. It's definitely memorable, and yeah. it goes with the bananas. Like yeah. they have to have an announcer called Beaker. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah that that's a it's a very good point. I've only met uh, one other Beko in my life. There was a professor at Syracuse and his name was like Biko. I think he had Mandela in there. It was, there was like four freedom fighters in, in his name. Yeah. And then I met a dog named Biko once, but you know, it, it's, it's cool to have something that most people haven't heard before. That's <laughs> that awesome. That so awesome. speaking of Syracuse, you're from, you're from New York. Yes. Okay. And so you grew up there and now you're, do you live in Savannah now or do you just go to Savannah? Are you like going back and forth? When there are banana ball games to call, I'm in Savannah, but I, I, I currently reside in Manhattan, even though I grew up two hours north of New York City. Oh, okay. Because okay. you grew up on a farm, right? Yes. Well, I, 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 I moved to a, a co-housing commune, a pretty hippy-dippy, interesting joint, when I was like three and a half and, and truly grew up there. There weren't any animals or anything because it was in the village of Socrates where you're not allowed to have a full-on farm. Um, but then when my uh, my dad and my stepmom got married when I was 14 or so, they got a little hobby farm on the outskirts of Socrates 
um, 17 acres, you know, started with a dog. You, then you get a couple cats, a couple more dogs, two goats, you get some ducks. Now all of a sudden they've got like 20, 20 goats, 50, 50 chickens, 20 ducks. And, <laughs> and it's a, it's a flow fledged thing over there. But, um, yeah, I've, I've bounced around a little bit. Okay. Well, kind of next I want to interview his parents. <laughs> I feel like I would love them. It's pretty fancy, pretty fascinating. So you're growing yeah, they are the really interesting folks. <laughs> you're growing up on a farm with quotations, not building into a farm. So what was your dream job and how did sports play into that? Um, that's a really good question. So I've always loved baseball more than anything I can imagine in my life. Uh, my uncle Mike, my my dad's or my mom's brother rather, uh, he was whispering things about the New York Yankees into my ears before I understood what he was saying. But it, it de- I feel like it shaped me uh, because as far as my memory goes, I've just been a diehard New York Yankees fan and, and nothing has been more fun to me than playing baseball, whether it's fielding grounders, shagging flies, taking BP. Um, I, I just I love it all being outside and, and there's there's something about it that's magical to me. Um, so I always wanted to be a major league baseball player and, and I was a very good ball player to, to pat myself on, on my back. I was a really good, I was a really good player. I was an all-star and, and, you know, uh, the high school team and all that fun stuff, some travel ball. But when I was about 15 years old, um, although I was a good baseball player, I was also, um, you know, honest about my abilities. And I started seeing people that had, uh, skills that I couldn't even dream of. So I realized, yeah, you know, I, Maybe I should modify my dream a little bit. I'll play for as long as I can, but I think my new dream is to broadcast baseball because what's the next best thing to playing? It's talking about it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I was I was lucky that I kind of realized my dream pretty young and and figured out the best path towards it, and that ended up being Syracuse um, and and MLB Network, and and I stumbled my way into this insane life that I'm now living. <laughs> So you mentioned you mentioned MLB Network. It was like it's like my favorite channel. Like for a long time on our cable, we couldn't get it, and I was so sad. He was depressed. Oh yeah. It was. So because I just baseball is one of those sports where you can just have it playing in the background. You can even have people just talking about it in the background. It's just kind of soothing. You know what I mean? So how did you get to? You went to Syracuse, got a journalism degree. How did you get to Major League Network? So, so part of going to Syracuse was it's the best communications and journalism school in the country. So, um, and less than three hours away from my home. So it was like, it was, it was a real best of both worlds there. And MLB network is fully only happened because I was at Syracuse. They, they come to Syracuse every year and, uh, they call them interviews, but they're trying to get you, which is, which is pretty cool. So it's like 15 minute intervals, um, Funny enough, mine was directly in front of Yvonne Trezak, who is our director of uh, creative content with the Bananas now. Um, Yeah, we both ended up taking the job. Uh, I I came out of the interview with, you know, three big wigs at at MLB Network, some good guys, and and basically told Yvonne, hey, they're selling us. Like, don't be worried about anything. And then the next time I saw him was our first day uh, at the end of May of 2018, Mm -hmm. starting at the network. Um, So, so. That was, I had done some broadcasting in college um, in my hometown in Saugerties, the Stallion, some collegiate summer baseball. I did it for two summers. It was a blast. That's what I had planned on doing. But um, like, like you said, I mean, MLB Network is is a magical place in itself. And I was, I was really infatuated 
with the possibility of bumping elbows with Pedro Martinez and Kevin Millar, Harold Reynolds, Jim Tomei, um, you know, Mark DeRosa, Dan Plesak, the list goes on and on, Eric Burns. Um, and uh, so I couldn't say no to it and, and ended up going down to Secaucus, New Jersey and spent a little over two years there, got a promotion, ended up, uh, it, was, it was a dream job in a lot of ways, but it wasn't the dream job, which, right. which is why I ended up leaving. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then how did you get to the Savannah Bananas? So that was, uh, you know, I'd been kind of keeping my eye out, um, getting to watch 150 Yankee games a year and getting paid for it was was awesome. But it, it's it's just That's a little different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's amazing. But um, but it's a little different than being there in person. And, and after a couple of years of, of seeing it through the screen, um, I, I my head started turning a little bit and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get get outdoors again. Um, and so I was looking around a little bit going into 2020, um, was trying to stay local, looking, looking at a lot of, uh, teams in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania area, but none of them really needed a broadcaster or, or, or spark too much joy in my life as, as far as it being the next step for me coming from a job that I did truly love at, at, with major league baseball and, and, and NHL network. We, we always forget NHL network. I, I spent like 10% of my time working on hockey, but uh, it's, it's like a whole half of the operation. Um, but uh, so then I saw the opening for the bananas through a little job board that, that I, um, that I was a part of called the Sportscasters talent agency of America, STAA. And, and the bananas uh, opportunity was unsurprisingly, unlike anything else that I had seen. And I watched the 20 minute story and was mind boggled. Like I had kind of seen them. I felt like, I, I had seen some highlights here and there and like the name trending on Twitter or whatever, but I didn't, I didn't know the story. I didn't know what it was. And then you watch the 20 minute video on the website and it did. It's it's such, I think Ben Sheffield edited the video. It's such an amazing video because I watched it and was like, Oh my gosh, I need to see yeah. this with my eyes. <laughs> like I can't go on in life right. without experiencing this for what I thought was going to be a summer. I came down on a two and a half month contract. Um, and then, COVID happened and the 16 team league went to three teams and we had to invent the party animals to, to kind of get some more games. Like it ended up being more bizarre and unique than I ever could have imagined. Um, and, and I'm still there going into my fourth year now, but um, yeah, it was, it was an opportunity to call some games again and, and not just that, but in the most unique baseball experience in the country. <laughs> Totally unique. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So tell Definitely. us a little bit about banana ball. We kind of know the rules. We have our favorite rules. Um, what are, what, what is your take on the rules of banana ball and what are your favorite rules? That was one of the more surreal and funniest things for me going down to Savannah is because I didn't know this game existed. They had never played it in front of fans before. And the first <laughs> game I broadcast two weeks into being in, in Savannah was an inter-squad scrimmage but between the bananas collegiate teams and they were playing banana ball for the first time in front of fans. And they're like, Hey, we invented this sport. Here's nine rules figured out. Um, <laughs> and I was like, what? Uh, so it, it was really cool. And, and I think the most important parts of banana ball, obviously the two hour time limit, um, every inning counting. So in, instead of runs being cumulative, it's match style play. You win an inning, you get a point no matter by how many runs. Um, my favorite rule is fans catching a foul ball being an out. That's, that's just, that's just amazing. Uh, the, what really, really keeps the game so fast is that batters can't step out of the box. That's like, that's the bread and butter yeah. of the speed of, of us getting, you know, this past weekend, we got nine innings in 
both times under two hours, which is so cool for us. Um, And then no mound visits, no bunting. I think that's almost just like kind of a meme at this point. It's like, they just say button sucks. And I'm like, sure, whatever, I'm on board. Um, And and then showdown tiebreakers instead of extra innings. Uh, Because we put a time limit on it, we then don't want a tie game to go on for like another two hours. Um, And they figured out a a really creative solution, which is baseball's equivalent of of basically showdown tiebreakers. And of course, the no walks thing, turning it to sprints adds a little more excitement there. But um you know that's i think i think that's kind of how i feel the importance of the rules goes in chronological order a little bit (laughs) (laughs) spoken like a true broadcast for me the first two you mentioned are the best i love the time limit and i love that every inning counts Mm -hmm. because you can be in a major league game as much as i love baseball you're in the third fourth fifth inning and not much is happening and those innings if nothing happens, it doesn't really matter to the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And it keeps, I think it keeps the players engaged because they know we can still win this inning and it's yeah. going to matter. So I don't know how you ever get in that major leagues because major leagues is so much about numbers, like the the vaunted numbers that you've got to get. I don't know if you could ever do that, but I mm-hmm. wish they would. Yeah. Somehow. I think, I think that's part of, I think that's part of like my early love for baseball is just, I was, I've always been obsessed with the stats and the numbers right, of yeah. it. Um, and, and you're right, like more than any other sport, numbers in baseball are so immortal and so important to us. Um, and, you know, you had that with the Aaron Judge home run race this past summer. That was like it kind of it, it revives you with this this new kind of love and, and connective tissue of the game. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I don't I, I don't think every inning counts will ever make it into the majors. But what I do think and I would I truly would not doubt it. I do think batters not being allowed to step out of the box is the most transferable rule because right. you, you've I seen some of the best hitters of all time numbers. do it. Yeah. You, it doesn't affect the numbers. It just speeds up. Right. The- yeah. You don't, you don't need to step out of the box and strap your batting gloves and spit in your hands and, you know, <laughs> fix your hair and, and do that. It's yeah. just a habit they formed. Right. And you can break that habit. But so. the, to be honest, the problem is they can make the rules. They have to enforce the rules. And right. that is what they are sometimes not good at. It's just bad parenting. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's going to be interesting. They've got the pitch clock this year. They're trying to speed the game up. I'm like, forget oh. a clock. I mean, forget a clock. Our whole slogan is start the clock. Don't forget a clock. Don't forget a clock. <laughs> but forget a pitch clock. Uh, just keep the people in the box. Barry Bonds, Giancarlo State, and Aaron Judge, a lot of these guys don't get out of the box and are some of the greatest hitters of all time. So if they can do it, anyone can. That's right. Okay, you mentioned the 62 home runs. I have to throw in that Alex and I were at the Ranger game where he broke that. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not Yankee fans, but again, those numbers are so important. It's like we got to go try to see this game. Right. He's always trying to one-up me, you know? I mean, it's like I catch that. <laughs> Pudge Rodriguez hits and Cal Ripken Jr. signed, and now he's got to go and do that. I mean, it's all the time. That's a riot. You still got me on the ball. That's I got big. you on the ball. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we talked banana ball. Tell us about the game day experience because we haven't been to a live game yet. We've watched it on TV on ESPN. Soon, very soon, very soon. So, what is the game day experience? What can you expect when you go? How many hours sure. do I have to come up early? <laughs> that is that's really what you're getting at here uh so, I mean, <laughs> right right so so gates open at 5 30 um i mean it really depends on where we are in the world i would uh, uh since you are in k club and you have the special k club line 
I don't think timeliness is going to be as important because okay. your line's going to be like 10%, if mm-hmm. that, of the main line, where if you show up without the K-Club badge with your four best friends, you know, at like 5.30, you might end up at the back of a mile-long line. But I I wouldn't think the K-Club gets longer than, you know, a 100-something people. Yeah. Um, just guesstimating. I haven't really looked at the numbers of where everybody is. Right. But um, you do definitely want to be there by like 5.15 because at 5.20 or so, the parade kicks off with Jesse and all the characters and all the players and they come flying through the line and it's high fives galore and the band's blasting away. Uh, it's a, it's impeccable vibes. Like it's, it's a, it's a cool scene. And that's like really when you first feel the juice, that's yeah. when you're like, okay, I'm in banana land. This is happening. <laughs> um, and then, and then since you're in the K club, you'll be towards the, front of the line so you'll get to see they do like a little celebration right at the gate um little hey baby to warm the people up Uh Uh, and and then it's it's really a big moment the gates opening jesse does his countdown from 11 not 10 because everything's different in banana land even down to a countdown um and then the gates are stormed you get inside maybe you try and grab a quick bite to eat uh something to drink because you want to be in your seats by like six or so because then the show on the field is pumping. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shark will play a little, like, history of the bananas. You'll get to hear my voice once or twice, which always uh, warms my heart. Um, <laughs> and, 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 then, and then you get your banana baby and your weigh-in and um, the bananas warm up and the party animals entrance and the first banana throne and uh, a, a bajillion other things on, on any yeah. giving night. So it, that's the thing is with the two-hour time limit, we we really had to do that because we do so much pregame entertainment. Like yeah. we're adding an hour of the show. So yeah, it really feels like a little bit more like a four hour show for us than the two hour game because we start, you know, the pregame parade at 520 right. and then all the way to a postgame party plaza. That's another 20 minutes, half an hour and happens right outside the gate afterwards. So oh, um yeah. For us, it really is. If you get the full bells and whistles of the whole show, it's a yeah. it's a five twenty to nine twenty or nine thirty show. So I can't remember. Is it general seating? Is it? It is. Oh yeah, it's okay, it's the so wild, wild west. Where do I want to sit, Biko? Where do I want to be? Do I want to be like behind the dugout, behind home plate? Like I feel like I want to be like right in. Like there. where are we going to see most of the shenanigans yeah. and that kind of thing? Where do I want to sit? Yeah, traditional baseball seating hierarchy applies there. You you okay. definitely want to be like behind home plate, but behind, behind the bananas or party animals dugouts are also amazing. Because okay. um, a lot all, a lot of the promotions are around there. We try and get everybody involved. Like if there's outfield seating, there'll be one yeah. or two things where we try and get those people going. Um, yeah. But in general, like the the mound and home plate is, is right there. And, and that's, that's kind of the main okay. part of the arena is the infield. Okay, great. So, so we know what we're doing now. So we know what we're doing. Yeah. I feel like we have a game. Plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So you, you describe all this and the excitement of it. How cool is it to be a lifelong baseball fan and see this much excitement for baseball? It's, it's so surreal. It's really tough to put into words. Right. I mean, like, um, my, so, you know, my dream as uh, my re-realized dream after I, I figured out that I wasn't going to be the best pitcher and hitter, I wasn't going to be the Shohei Otani 2.0 of Major League <laughs> Baseball. 
because I'm five eight and can barely throw eighty miles an hour. Um, of of being a broadcaster, like I just I can't believe that I get to experience this and that it's like this is is where it's led me because it's it's mind boggling and it's so much fun and and you know it's no secret at all that baseball's audience is is aging out a little bit and and it gets older every year. Um, there's there's millions of of younger folks you know like me who still are in love with the game but we're start we're we're in the minority more and more um and seeing the way the kids love this like that's that's what fires me up just about as much as anything is just how much the kids love this it it it. gives so much youth and exuberance to the game and it's like okay the next generation is into this like we're we're rocking and rolling we're like baseball's back baby uh so it's it's in, it's insane. It's it's really mind boggling. Yeah. Okay. I'm about to give Jesse an idea that I just thought of <laughs> because you talk about excitement in the young kids. I feel like major league baseball needs to incorporate y'all somehow because of the excitement you're bringing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how about bringing the bananas in during the all-star weekend and do some banana ball, Yeah. you know, have like have old players play banana ball or something just to get that excitement that we know the young people are loving this and they're not so much loving sitting through a four hour game at a major yeah. league stadium. So let's bring it together. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scott, I too think you're on to something there. I, <laughs> I, I'll give that a firm retweet. Um, it, we've had a lot of contact with the folks at major league baseball. They're super cool. They love what we're doing. Um, it's a very symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't doubt, I really wouldn't doubt that within the next handful of years, um, the bananas are involved in in the All Star game. The uh, Major League Baseball did uh, like the We Play Loud um, with us. So on YouTube, I, I believe that's what the series is called. During the summer series this past year, they sent a whole crew and mic'd up Kyle Lewigs and Dan Oberst. And and normally every week they come out with one of these with Major League Baseball players. Yeah. And one one week in late August, early September, whenever it was, it was two Savannah Bananas players. Like that's, awesome. that's the kind of stuff. <laughs> That's like pinch yourself, like what's going on, yeah. um, and and we've been in contact about a lot of other kind of ways that we could be synergistic with with Major yeah. League Baseball. So it's it's cool to have them being fans of us as as well, because obviously yeah. we all started out as fans of them. Right. Yeah, that's and it's good cool. that they're aware that the the game needs this. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. No, it's 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 been really cool. They've welcomed us with open arms. We've had a, a lot of really fun talks with with the league office and especially their marketing team on on how we can you know best best leverage each other and, and grow the game. Yeah, for sure. So okay, so you're just coming off of 2023 World Tour Banana Ball, like so exciting. That was this weekend. We watched some of the opening night. Our favorites, the Fireball, Bill Lee, Walk Off on Friday. Like, what are what are your some of your moments from this weekend that you just were like mind blown? Uh, excellent question. And if you want to know my twelve favorite moments, you can oh. go to the Bananas Facebook or Twitter. Um, <laughs> I saw and, that, and, <laughs> and you nailed three of them right there. So, so that was a, that was a really good start. Um, yeah, Bill Lee, Bill Lee returning was definitely my favorite part of it all. Um, it's it's another thing where it's it's hard to put into words how important he is to us. Um, he's just he's as nice as could be. It's one of the funniest people that any of us have ever met. His his baseball history and experience is is just about as powerful as anybody who's walked on the earth. And he's the spaceman. Like he is a living legend of the game <laughs> who loves baseball so much. He hasn't quit 
since he retired, kind of was forced to retire. He was blackballed a little bit. If, if you ask him about it, he'll, he'll talk to you for five hours um, <laughs> back in 1982. So, like, this is a guy who's 76 years old and, and proving that, you know, kind of like golf and tennis, this could be a game you play forever. Yeah. Um, so, and it's just, it's, it gives me chills thinking about Bill and, and how amazing it's been to, to have him around us and around the players. Um, he's just, he's a wealth of knowledge and, and, and the coolest dude you'll ever meet. So, um, so you know, so after that. If people don't know, he had a heart attack last season, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, yeah. and, and it wasn't, it wasn't a heart attack. I don't, I don't think it's confirmed. It was a heart attack. It was a medical emergency. Um, I think his, it, it seemed like his heart stopped. So I don't know if that makes it a heart attack, but I, I just know that like the doctors were like, Oh, we're not sure if it was a heart attack, but, but it was a medical emergency. He collapsed uh, in, in our bullpen when we were on ESPN two last August 19th, when he was about to come into the game. And it was a thing where, you know, he was 75 at the time. Um, he was super dehydrated, was having a stressful day. His his wife was ill, so he had gone back to the hotel like three times to check on her. Um, all he was running on was like energy drinks. <laughs> he, he admits <laughs> that he did not set himself up for success, and it was a good little learning lesson for him. But yeah. thank the our lucky stars, two things. One, his bullpen catcher, Matt Wolf, is a paramedic and a firefighter in Oklahoma City. Yes. So the his first responder was a first responder. And two, it was first responder appreciation night for the city of Thunderbolt, which borders Savannah. And we had we had so many hands that could help. It, it wasn't even funny. So, um, you know, they pounced on him in, in the yeah. best way possible and, and got his heart beating again and woke him up. And, and voila, he had a little pacemaker put in. He was walking. He felt like he could have gone nine innings that night. Um, doctors said you should probably, you should probably wait a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But he came back, and he looked he looked as sharp as ever. His yeah. leafuses were leaving our center field camera and plummeting down in the strike zone at just such a majestic arc. I, I can't fathom how he does it. Like, it's actually truly really impressive to me how he throws these um, rainbow arcing pitches that fall in the zone. And then he mixes it up with a little, like, 75, and all of a sudden yeah, it feels yeah. like it's, like, mid-80s, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just – I, I, I could talk about Bill Lee until in, in, I passed out. I mean, um, he's, he's, he's awesome. So that was, that was the coolest. But the ball on fire was, yes. I mean, I, I also never thought I would ever see that on a field. The, that visual, that image was, was so cool. And uh, I know Kyle's taken a lot of flack online for missing the outside corner by like an inch and a half. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's just a bad call by Vince. Maybe yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, I'd love to say that, but Vincent was right. And, and I commend him. I commend him for sticking to his 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 strike zone and not trying to expand it just just for the moment. You know, that's that's like the core of banana ball is we do all these wacky, insane things you never thought you'd see on a field before. But the game is legit. The yeah. umpires are legit and both teams really want to win. They're yeah. just playing in some unusual circumstances. Right. <laughs> and everybody can really play. I mean, this is like very legit. Yeah. So I going back to Bill Lee for one second, my dad is like 76 and I'm like, I don't worry about the pitching when he's pitching. I'm fine with like when Billy's pitching, I'm worried about the comeback. And I mean, I'm 52 and I, we, we coach a 12 U team and I, I won't, I won't pitch to those kids. I'm not having them all come back at me. I'll catch them all day long, but I get worried about that for him. The comeback but I'm I, just reflex for him, you know? 
I know. I I learned how dangerous a comebacker can be this past summer. Um, <laughs> halfway through our summer series, I was throwing batting practice to a couple of my MLB Network friends. Um, we've got like a core four, Yvonne, myself, and, and two, two of my friends who I haven't been able to get inside the organization yet. Um, and I took a one-hopper straight off the face and had a black <laughs> eye for the last three broadcasts. Wow. I mean, I was like, I was like 40 feet away from home plate and, and not 60 feet, but yeah. I also have 50 years on Bill Lee. So it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very real concern. The players were worried. They're like, Hey, what if, what if we nail like one of the most important baseball players uh, that is still with us? Yeah. Um, and Bill's like, you can't worry about that. He, he very famous. He very famously said, um, you know, I'm, I'm not here to, to die. If I'm going to die on the field, it's not going to be in the bullpen. It's going to yeah. be on the field. That's and, cool. and he, he told Stan Grossfield of the Boston Globe that if if he does uh, expire on the field, just put a tarp on him on the back of the mound and play all nine. Deal with him afterwards. Okay. I mean, this is why we I, the love that we have for this man is it shows no bounds. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Okay, so that's like a teaser. You can find you. You've got twelve things that you've got right. So this is a little yes. If you want to go find that, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, yeah, I saw that the other day, and I'm going to read it again. So very cool. <laughs> Okay, so we got to talk about the guy that started all this, Jesse Cole. And if you haven't seen him, he's always dressed in his yellow top hat and full yellow suit. Mm -hmm. So, And when you were talking about Major League Baseball, I was just, there was a funny thought in my head of him walking into these boardrooms in his (laughs) yellow suit, which is cool. So he's just, he's like a renaissance man. Like he's recreating things that that we got used to and now he's making it new. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned from him working with him over the past couple of years that you can take with you? And Oh man, so much. I, I mean, um, I'm as big a Jesse Cole fan as you'll find in, in all the land. He's, he's truly baseball's mad scientist and, and he was a terrific player himself. Like that's kind of his origin story is he was uh, a terrific two-way player at Wofford, uh, um, and and was probably heading to affiliated baseball if he didn't have a pretty excruciating injury, which thank goodness for all of us he had because <laughs> yeah. Jesse Cole could, you know, maybe would have been a, a good ball player, but maybe also t- toils away in the minors for a few years. And, and then what happened? So he yeah. figured out that he loved playing baseball, but didn't love watching it once he tried to transition into coaching. And all of a sudden, his gears started turning on on how to make this whole thing, you know, a little more entertaining for folks who um, weren't like the 90 or the the 1.00% of people who just love sitting down and watching a baseball game like like me. Um, And, you know, I I think that the number one thing that I've learned from Jesse is, is just to think differently and question everything, you know, just because something has been done some way forever doesn't mean it's the right way to do things. And you have to be able to adapt. Um, I mean, like TikTok is is probably our most powerful social media. It didn't exist like five years ago. Yeah. Um, and and now we live in a TikTok generation. Now it's the most powerful social media for um, the youngest generation. And that kind of has led to the scrolling life, the really short attention spans that that um, you know the people the people even younger than I have have developed. And, and banana ball is perfect for that because something's always happening. Um, so uh, I, and then and then just working with Jesse 
Um, he's, he's definitely got a lot of corks. Like you can't be that smart and that much of a genius without being kind of an oddball. He's, <laughs> I, I love him. I, I absolutely love him, but he is a goofy son of a gun. He's got like, he's got like genius. Like he's just flying around. He's always thinking big picture. He's a perfectionist and you know, he can't be a part of every single part of the organization, but he'll always stop in and give everyone the attention and give everyone his opinion on things. And then he trusts all of us to make it happen. Um, and, and, and I'm just, I'm amazed by his work ethic more, more than anything. I mean, this guy lives, breathes, dreams, Savannah bananas and, and just how he can make baseball fun and, and spread this message and, and this joy to, to the world. Um, and and even with all of that, he does a really good job of balancing his work life balance. So uh, I'm I'm amazed by by Jesse and and his wife Emily. The two of them, what they've created here in Savannah, is um it's it's truly something special. And uh, I'm really lucky to have had a front row seat since since I came down in in the summer of 2020. Yeah, that's so true. I'm a hairdresser by trade. And so I have new clients all the time in my chair, different clients. And I'm like, have you heard this? I mean, this is a common conversation that I have at the salon. <laughs> and most often the answer is I watch them on TikTok. I watch them on TikTok. So yeah, that has like been a huge jumping off place, I think, for Savannah Bananas. And so you have found your dream job at what? I mean, you must be like 20 years old. You look so young. Um <laughs> And so it's what about like aspiring broadcasters coming up? You seem to be loving what you're doing at such a young age. What advice do you have for some young ones out there that are just? Yeah, I I barely look a day over 15. Um, I'm 26 <laughs> now. Still, I, I haven't shaved my face since uh, Friday. And oh, really? this is this is all I can muster. Um <laughs> So, you know, I haven't figured it all out. Fine. Look what we have now. He's 52. I, around 40 at the beginning of the 40. You've got a few yeah. years, but. That's fascinating. Okay, cool. So I, all right, there's still hope for me. Keep pressing on. <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, But I will say what I, what I do know about broadcasting is the most important thing is reps. Like it's just, and, and this can go for basically anything in life, but the more you do something, the better you get at it. Um, and, and it's, it's so important to just go out and, and, you know, the opportunity to be on the air might not be there for you, but that doesn't mean you can't go to a game with your phone and do a voice recording of the game and then go back and, and take a listen and, and send it to whoever in your life may have any idea about a sports broadcast and let them know, you know, Hey, like tear me apart. I, like constructive criticism is so important. Um, you know, it's, it's, you could get to a point where once you have too many voices, they start contradicting each other. So um, like, there's a, there's a happy, happy medium of finding, you know, balance of where to put the blinders on and just do the best broadcast that you think you're doing and, and where to, to get your advice. But, um, it's, it's just reps to take um, every opportunity you can. Like it, it, and, and I think Tim Kirchin, one of my lifelong um idols joined us by chance this past weekend and he stressed um to me that you know it doesn't matter if 10 people are watching or a billion people are watching you you always have to show that you're giving it your all and and that you are excited and thrilled to be putting on this broadcast because one of those 10 people 
could be, you know, the owner of, of some amazing opportunity who loves what, what they hear. So, um, and, and that's always how I've gone about my business. And it was cool to hear Tim, like it's one of the first things he said to me upon meeting him. And I was like, yeah, Tim, like we <laughs> speak. That's what I'm talking about. Speak your truth. Um, so yeah, it's just, it doesn't matter how many people are watching or, or what you're broadcasting. Just, just do it and, and have fun and, and then do whatever you can to, uh, to get better and have fun. A little bit like playing baseball, right? Repet- oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Repetition. And you never know who's watching. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The, the old, the old 10,000 hours thing has, has been disproven a little bit, but it, there's still a lot of truth to it in that, you know, the more time you put into something, the better you're going to be. Sure. Well, and just talking about our coaching youth is we always told them, don't let your don't let your parents come get your bag out of the dugout. You get all your stuff together and take it out because you don't know what scout or coach is looking, especially as you're getting a little older. Mm -hmm. So make sure they know you're taking care of your stuff. Yeah, Yeah. that's a fact. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Don't want to see your parents in this dugout. (laughs) That's right. Pico, we can't thank you enough for taking time to talk to us today. Still want to meet your parents, but I can't wait to see you in March in Sugarland. Yep. We're going to be cheering you on. We're Savannah Banana biggest fans. Can't wait to happen. I mean, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm so fired up for <laughs> um, my debut trip to the Lone Star State. That's I mean, I, I truly can't wait. A little yeah. trip right outside H-Town. That's and what what else could you want? So yeah, I'm fired up. Thank you so much for having me. This was this was a blast. The questions were tremendous. It was a really fun conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Make Thanks. sure you find some barbecue and a mechanical bull. You're all set. All right, I can do that. <laughs> Bico Suave. <laughs> I think that's actually his Instagram handle. Is oh he's got gosh. Bico Suave in there. And how awesome was that? That what was a cool, so what a great. Cool guy. Pretty sure he's not old enough to know what Rico Suave is, right? Well, he's probably watched it on YouTube, I would imagine. Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was so good and so energetic. And it just makes me so excited to go see these games. Right. And it makes me excited for baseball in general. Mm-hmm. To hear that Major League Baseball understands this is an issue with the game. Yeah. And they're embracing banana ball to a certain degree. It just gives me hope for the sport in general. Because right. it's a sport I love, but it's a sport I can see that's dying. Mm-hmm. So this is the shot in the arm that baseball needed. I for hope sure. so. I yep. hope so. Guys, we hope you enjoyed this interview with Biko. We hope you have already gone to the website to check out Savannah Bananas. You will not be disappointed. We're all ready to go. We're excited to cheer on our favorite Savannah Bananas. And we will see y'all soon. Hardy party at five and a half over and out. We'll see you next time.